Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 129 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And today we're going to be talking about something that all of us need to know, and that's going to the toilet on the trail. This will be an interesting one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So when you start hiking and camping, there's so much to learn. What gear to buy? How do you handle food? Where are all the good walks? And last but not least, how do you go to the toilet on the trail? And while the mechanics are the same, not having access to modern toilet facilities brings a whole new set of considerations uh, into going on a hike. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that people really uh, are more concerned about um, than perhaps they let on. Um, I know that uh, there are some times when I've had conversations with people and, you know, I've been asked some really basic questions and I'm just thinking, what would you normally do? Just do that. (laughs) Well, and I think that's the other thing as well. I mean, this is one of these topics that people get a bit squeamish about asking about. And while you're quite happy to ask your friends or go into a store and say, tell me about packs or tell me about about hiking footwear or or tell me about sleeping bags, it's not normally a question you raise. You know, the expectation is that everyone knows about it, knows how to do it. Uh, And as I said, while the mechanics are pretty much the same, there are some logistical issues that you need to be able to deal with just to make your experience more enjoyable. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the do's and the don'ts of going to the toilet on the trail, pun intended, uh, and hopefully give you a bit of peace of mind if you haven't needed to consider these basic functions before. Okay, so let's talk about... um, accessing toilets to start with and normally with these days the big uh, national parks the big nature reserves that are well known for bushwalking have a lot of visitors you normally will find you'll have access to toilets um, quite readily at least around the visitor information centers or the entry to the parks themselves and while they may not look you know exactly as flash as your toilet does at home um, they look pretty much the same um, and they work pretty much the same as, as, as what you'd expect. So um, in that respect, uh, it, this is often the limiting factor, and I've talked to a number of people that, that hike, particularly people in their sort of 70s and 80s that are still keen to walk, and they will often limit their walks based on where the toilet facilities are. And, you know, they've, they've been there, they've done that, they've gone to toilet in the bush in the past, and they just don't want the want the, um, the the rusticness of having to, 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 to go to the toilet in the middle of the bush. Yeah, I think it's probably not just that age category too. I think there'd be a lot of people in different age groups who um, are a bit concerned about it. I think, you know, maybe if you've got kids as well, um, it's probably easier to hang close to the, the facilities. Once we start moving a bit further away from the uh, the main trailheads and the information centres, uh, we may still have access to toilets, and, and, and I'd put these into the, the luxury category here, um, but the toilets tend to change as we get further away that 
you know, the plumbing becomes a bit expensive to extend out into the middle of nowhere. So we, we come across what Australians tend to know as the long drop. Uh, and this is just a small shed, for want of a better term, in most cases, uh, that has a toilet um, throne, uh, uh, toilet base, uh, that has a plastic lid and just a large hole underneath. So what you're doing is you're doing your business into a large hole, uh, and this will typically be handled in one of two ways. It'll either be uh, come someone will come through and pump that out at some point uh, as it becomes full, or it might be a bit more of an upmarket job and it's a composting toilet. So all the waste facilities in there actually break down. And while it still may, may need to be pumped out at some point, it doesn't have to be done that often. And the product that comes out of it can be, can be put into a, a recycled facility, you know, dug into the gardens and, uh, and, and rather than just dumped um, somewhere as, as purely as waste product. Um, you will find the quality of these tends to vary. Uh, and if you have a look at the written version of this podcast, we've got some pictures of different types of uh, uh, levels of, uh, of toilet facilities. Some of them really just are old tin sheds, uh, and they're very basic inside. Um, others are quite luxurious, and uh, I've used as an example some of the more modern toilet facilities on the Bibbleman track that actually ha- are designed to take wheelchairs. And as much as I uh, fully support... Uh, providing access to all. Um, there's no way knowing that a wheelchair could ever, ever get out that far. It's just physically impossible, but they've been designed for that. Uh, you know, nice wide doors. They've got railings to help you get in and out to get off a chair uh, and plenty of space inside to park the chair just beside the toilet. Yeah, I think that that's accessibility aside. I think that's also about um, having... Uh, a more generic style of toilet that they can use anywhere and they don't have to um, option up to be able to accommodate, you know. So just for me it just sort of makes sense to use the one type and if it just happens to be one um, and presumably, um, you know, that's the type it would be using at trailheads and those sorts of places too where it's a bit more accessible. Now, these toilets will tend to vary. Some of them are very weatherproof, some of them not. Uh, and I've been in some of these that, uh, you know, you've had screaming winds and driving rain and there's normally gaps on the, the, the top where the roof meets the top of the walls. Uh, and then if the, the weather is bad enough, because these things, the roofs aren't particularly big, it's not unusual to have the inside of the toilet uh, being sopping wet and with it the toilet paper being sopping wet as well. And there's often a gap at the at the floor as well. So there's often a gap between, deliberately so, I think, for air movement. Uh, uh, um, but, yeah, so these, these types of toilets uh, work well. They're very common. And the, the one thing you do need to be very conscious of, and this is something that most people, if you haven't used these, don't, tend not to think about, is there, there are typically always signs in these type of toilets saying, please close the lid when you're finished. Because... By leaving the lid open, you've got human waste in the bottom of it. Uh, you've got flies deciding this is a really good place to, to lay their larva. Uh, and as a result, you tend to breed flies. And these flies that have been inside the toilet crawling around on all the human waste decide they might decide to uh, crawl all over you when they come out. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely 
get in the habit of closing lids, even if it was, uh, uh, you know, this is not one of the leave the toilet lid how you found it, it's leave it closed. You only do that with gates, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, the only waste that should go into this type of toilet is human waste and toilet paper um, and nothing else. So no sanitary products, uh, no no rubbish of any other type, um, and um, you know, it's it's really designed for human waste only. Now we're going to take this a bit further. You've you've gone a bit further out into the bush, or you're on your, you're on a multi day or multi week hike in the middle of nowhere. Um, and while there may be access roads into some of these areas, quite often there's not, uh, and it really relies on you now going to the toilet in the bush. Now, for many hikers, and and this is um, um, if you're doing a walk longer than a few kilometres or a few hours, it's not unreasonable to assume that at some point you might need to go to the toilet. Uh, And it doesn't matter if it's a short hike or an overnight hike, the principles are still the same. So the things that you need to consider, and this is uh, before we start getting to the specifics, this is more about choosing where you're going to go to the toilet, is the location. So ideally you want to choose a site that's well away from water, Uh, And this distance, the recommendation for this distance will vary. In Canberra, we've only got one national park. It's Namaji National Park. And the recommendation is to go to the toilet 100 100 metres away from any water supply. Um, Now, that's probably not too difficult in in some parks. But other states in Australia will vary. uh, And you'll find that sometimes it might only be 60 metres or sometimes it's – I've even seen – distances of 20 metres. So on our recent human hovel track hike, uh, the toilet was probably, if it was lucky, 10 metres away from uh, where the water uh, stream or or dam was. Uh, And this was probably built in the days where people didn't think too much about this. So most modern toilets or most toilets that are being put into the bush these days are put further away from water, water resources. Um, or if you're having to go in the bush, which is what we're talking about now, um, choose to go a bit further away because think about this is where you're getting your water supply from, to drink from. Uh, it's preferable not to have anything human waste-wise involved in, in that sort of water. Yeah, and I think the, the, you know it does depend on the area, the soil type and, and, and so on. And um, uh, if you are in a national park, they will have guidelines on um, how far away from water sources. So make sure you check those. The other thing too, from apart from water, is also your tent. I mean, it's no good just walking straight outside your tent and thinking, yep, I'm going to go to the toilet right here. pee at the entrance of my tent. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is uh, this is one of these sort of things where, you know, there, there not usually are odours associated with it. Um, and as a result, you want to walk a distance away from your tent, particularly if you're camping as a group and you've got other tents next to you. Uh, move off into the bush. Uh, so you're not going to impact on anyone else's enjoyment of the hike. Um, the other thing we talk about, I mean, we talk about on this podcast is about going to the toilet on the trail. We don't literally want to see that. I have, where people have gone to the toilet on the trail and not covered it up. Uh, admittedly, that was overseas, but uh, um, normally you, you people are walking past all day on a hiking track. Uh, you want to be far enough away that it's not going to impact on them. You also want to be far enough away that you've got a bit of privacy. Having said that, though, uh, most Australians would have heard of a thing called Murphy's Law, which basically states that anything that can go wrong will. 
and this also applies to going to the toilet when you're out hiking. You may not have seen anybody for three days, almost <laughs> guaranteed. If you decide, yeah, look, I'm going to go to the toilet just on the side of the trail and not bother getting a bit of privacy, somebody will walk past. It, you know, it almost is without fail. So if you're ever lost, just go to the toilet on the trail and someone will come. Someone will find you. Someone will find you. <laughs> not sure that that works that way, but <laughs> it's a good theory. Now, the other thing is if you're hiking with others, typically if you've got a fully loaded backpack that might be 10, 15, 20 kilos in weight, the last thing you want to do is go to the toilet, um, particularly if you're having to squat with a fully loaded backpack. So drop your backpack on the edge of the trail uh, and that means that you know if somebody if you're if you're walking as a group but not necessarily together, somebody comes up and sees your pack sitting on the side of the trail. They know that you've gone off into the bush to go to the toilet, um, and they're not thinking where is this person? Um, they're behind me or they're in front of me, and all of a sudden, um, you know, if you, if they're thinking the person's in front of them, uh, and they're trying to catch up, and all of a sudden the, the, you've taken your pack into the bush, they they haven't seen you, and all of a sudden you're behind them. Um, that can create a bit of confusion. So leave the pack on the edge of the trail. Now getting into the specifics, peeing on the trail. Uh, and again, this is something we tend not to think about. We know how to do it. But if you've never had to pee out bush, there are a few considerations uh, that you don't tend to have to think about in normal day-to-day life. If peeing standing up, um, pee downwind, otherwise you will get wet. <laughs> uh, and this is this is something that most males learn pretty quickly. Um, you, you don't pee into the wind, but if you're a female using a female urinary device, which allows allows you to stand up and pee, um, I've talked to a number of females that said, "Yep, first time we used it, we didn't think about the wind direction, and they ended up uh, peeing all over themselves when the wind blew everything back on them again." Yeah. <laughs> um, Never pee on or near an electric fence. Um, <laughs> it sounds funny. I have seen this uh, group of guys, not hiking admittedly, a group of guys that have been out drinking heavily for the night, decided to pee up against the fence uh, and it was on and it was an electric fence that had low wires um, and it was quite funny because they all started peeing at about the same time and they all turned sideways at the same time <laughs> and, and peed on the person next to them. So so that's funny as long as it wasn't you. That, that's right. Um, if squatting to pee, look at where you're about to squat. Um, now, you want to avoid peeing on some poor animal that just happens to be hiding in the undergrowth. Um, and we have I have heard of examples of people peeing without looking where they're going and ended up peeing on a snake. So um, not that obvious, not that common. Um, but again, you, know, you might just be peeing on some poor little creature that's sitting there. Um, you also want to walk out, watch out for spiky bushes. So uh, if you're in the Northern Territory hiking, say, the Larapinta Trail, lots of spinifex. Yeah. Uh, you want to be really <laughs> careful about where you happen to be squatting. You'll be pulling that out forever. Um, the other thing to consider as well is peeing on flat ground or pee slightly downhill. I'd suggest slightly downhill um, and, yeah, you do, do need to, to make sure that the, the, the pee, if you're squatting, is running away from you and uh, not going to pull around your boots. So there are devices, as we talked about, you know, the um, – the, the shiwi as being one, so a female urinary device which allow women, allows women to, to stand up and pee and means you don't have to take your, all your clothes off to go to the toilet. Um, you either like them or you don't. 
but they are an option for hiking if if, you know, if, if there's something you want to consider. Yeah, and I think they, they're great if you're on a, a trail that is um, perhaps a little bit busy as well. So you want to do it quickly, you don't want to strip off and, um, you know, if you get really good at it, you probably don't even need to take your pack off. All right, now we're starting to get a bit more serious here. We're going to talk about pooping on the trail. And again, at this stage, there are no toilets on the trail and really you're going to have to squat to do your business. Now for me, and this might be a bit of oversharing here, this was never a skill I was taught as a child. Um, you know, somehow Squatting, you mean? No, <laughs> and, and somehow my, my parents always managed to find a toilet whenever we needed one. Uh, and if wherever we were going walking, it was never on very long hikes as a younger child. Uh, so it was never something we really had to or I really had to deal with. I had the great advice from my mother, you don't have to sit down. So I learned very early not to sit down on a public toilet, <laughs> even if there was a toilet. Okay, so here are some things that you need to consider. If you do need to poop, then you need to dig what is called a cat hole. And if you imagine a cat in the garden digging its, uh, that digs a hole before it does its business and then covers it up, and that's where it gets its name from. Cat holes are, are just that. They're essentially a, a hole in the ground that's around about 150 to 200 millimetres deep. Uh, by roughly about 200 millimetres wide. The width of the hole really is up to you, but um, you need to be able to aim, for want of a better term, when you do your business, as well as stand over the hole comfortably. Um, Jill and I, uh, when we're going hiking as a couple, uh, we actually go through and as part of setting up, setting up camp at the end of the day, um, one person will be setting up the tent, the other person will be digging the cat hole, uh, and as a couple, we tend to share the hole, but that means we tend to dig a much larger hole that will cover us or allow allow us to use it uh, and just add a bit of soil each time we've been. At the start of the day, before we break camp the next morning, we'll fill it in properly. Um, and, and if there's any uh, sticks or rocks around, we put it in on top. Um, you don't want to make it so uh, invisible that the next person comes along and think, oh, that looks like a bit of soft soil and I'll dig there. And that's something that can happen, particularly on very popular campsites. Dig your hole well in advance of needing it. <laughs> and again, we, we refer back to the Larapinta Trail here. The Larapinta Trail is rock with a bit of soil. It's not soil <laughs> with a bit of rock, it's rock with a bit of soil. Uh, so it was not unusual to take around about 20 minutes to dig a cat hole. And if you happen to be in a hurry um, and thinking, oh, I need to dig a hole and I need to go to the toilet urgently, it's not a good good feeling to have to rationalise those two, uh, two thought processes. So it's better off to dig early before you need it. Uh, and then when you do need to go, it's just like, yep, there's the hole and away you go. It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, isn't it, Tim? It is. <laughs> Carefully place the soil in the pile just off to the edge and away from where you stand. So don't have it right on the edge and be standing on it, compacting it. So we tend to push the soil away probably around about uh, 10 inches or uh, um, probably around about 250 millimetres on a nice, neat pile. Uh, and then we backfill as, as we need to um, uh, uh, as, we, as we're using the hole itself. Ensure that your hands are clean before you go to the toilet, because when you think about it, um, hygiene does tend to be a real issue on the trail. You're walking through the bush, you're putting your hands down on rocks and trees. Um, you know, you're not necessarily washing your hands with soap and water. 
Uh, it's something you typically don't always have access to, particularly in the very dry, deserty sort of environments. So um, before you handle um, your private parts, uh, go through <laughs> and uh, uh, you know clean your hands first. Make sure they're clean um, because, as I said, more hygiene issues can be can be an issue if you're not keeping yourself clean. Yeah. Well, one of the things we didn't say was that in terms of the the digging the hole and and um uh, making the pile of soil to backfill into the hole is that the implement that you use, your your cat hole digger, um, is just for soil. Let me just kind of emphasise that. It's not for anything else. Um, so don't be freaked out when you see one of these, you know, trowels hanging off the back of someone's pack. Uh, the only thing it's touched is soil. Uh, yeah, that, that definitely a good point there. Um, okay, so do your business. So you need to squat over the hole in a stable position. Uh, and as I said, this was something that I had to rationalise and work out how to do. And I just don't have a lot of flexibility in my legs. So or anywhere um, else, uh, or anywhere else. <laughs> no, no, no. So yeah, it, it's 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 a skill you need to learn. Uh, and uh, and I would strongly suggest you practice this before you go on a multi week hike. See, see all of those squats that you do at the gym, there's actually a use for this, isn't there? <laughs> there is. All right, so do your business. Clean yourself properly, but remember there isn't a never-ending supply of toilet paper unless you're only on a short hike. Uh, and we'll talk about uh, toilet paper in a moment. Backfill the hole, and then and when you walk away, ensure the soil is well compacted. So basically, you know, put all the hole back in that you've taken out, uh, Tamp it down with your foot, make sure it's nice and compacted. Put some sticks over the top or some small rocks, but the rocks are really there just to mark that there's something underneath, not to hide the toilet waste. Uh, And then clean your hands thoroughly. Um, Now, I mentioned, as I said before, the the Larapinta Trail, and we had a couple of sites, one which we walked past because of the condition, uh, and the other one which we uh, went through and stayed at, uh, and the soil was really rock hard. It took me a long time to dig a hole. But there are all these little piles of used toilet paper with rocks on top of them. Uh, Not something you want to see. As a result, there were a lot of flies in this area, and really... Given the heat on the day and the conditions and the length of time we'd been walking, we really had no other option but to stay there, but wasn't our, our best choice or our preferred choice. Yeah, and sadly that was one of the spots that the rangers kept saying, this is a great spot to camp at. And when we got there, it was just so disappointing because of the human impact. Now we talked about um, uh, a toilet kit or the implements that we need to use. At the very least, you need a, a trowel of some sort, and they often sell them as cat hole trowels. Um, you need toilet paper and you need uh, hand sanitizer or of some type, and there's a couple of options there. So going through and getting trowels, you will find some very, very lightweight trowels on the market, um, some lightweight titanium or aluminium trowels that weigh almost nothing, uh, which is really wonderful when you've got nice, soft, pliable soil. When you've got rock-hard soil, they dig into your hand quite severely. Uh, They bend quite easily, uh, and they're not really practical. Um, The trowel we use is actually made of Lexan, which is an old 
type of plastic, which is not so common these days, but still being used for trowels. Uh, does a really good job. Has a normally they'll have measuring uh, marks on them, so you know how deep you have to go. And in most cases, the blade of the trowel is the depth you want. Um, and um, it, you know, for us, we just go through and hang it off the back of the pack. Uh, and as Jill said, you know, it only touches soil, um, so it's not touching human waste. But pick a trowel that's comfortable uh, in for to use, comfortable in your hand. Uh, and again, think about digging in difficult, hard soil more than anything else. Toilet paper. Um, now, everybody's different in how they use toilet paper, uh, how much you're going to use on a daily basis. We're not going to get into folding and scrunching, are we? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, it's the sort of thing you need to work out how much toilet paper you do need to carry. For me, it's nine sheets per day. Um, and this is something I've worked out over a number of years. Um, so uh, I'll fold the toilet paper, or more specifically, Jill will fold the toilet paper for me before I go on a hike. Yep, uh, that's and I, my job. And I get daily allotments. So I know that I pull out a, a batch of toilet paper and that's it for the day. Uh, sometimes I might use more, sometimes I might use less, but it, it averages out pretty well. So I usually measure out 10 sheets um, because it folds better that way. <laughs> Um, and the last thing is hand sanitizer. Uh, now, the hand sanitizer typically you're using at the al- looking at the alcohol-based sanitizer. You can also use wet wipes, um, but that just means you're creating a bit more rubbish with the sachets at the end. Um, but you know, in, in light of not having readily available supplies of soap and water to wash your hands, um, you uh, um, don't want to. Um, uh, not wash your hands and clean your hands. And the other thing as well, you might be beside a stream and think, yep, look, I'm going to wash my hands after being to the toilet. But think about the next person that comes along and collects some water to drink out of that. Uh, you know, if it's a huge, big flowing river, not so much of an issue. If it's a small stream or a pond or a small creek, um, they're likely to end up picking up bugs or germs out of that. Uh, which is one of the reasons I always tend to filter my water anyway. Yeah, but it might be an issue if you've got some deadly bug on your hands and, you know, um doesn't matter how big the water source is. Um, and it's definitely an issue if lots of people are doing that. As far as your toilet kit's concerned, for me the toilet paper goes into a, uh, a relatively small Ziploc bag. Uh, the hand sanitizer, which is only about a 30 mil size, which tends to be the average, goes in there as well. Uh, and that's easy to get to. So I know that it's it sits in a, the same spot in my pack. Uh, every time I go on a hike, I know where it is. So if I, for whatever reason, I need to go to the toilet in a hurry, I know where to find it. Yeah, and I think also, um, just while we're getting into this, um, it's also a good idea to um, sanitise the outside of the um, hand sanitizer. Um, so, you know, if you do need to pick it up after you've um, been to the toilet and your hands are now clean, but the outside of the, the bottle isn't. So anything that you're touching, um, give it a bit of a wipe down and um, make sure that you're, you're keeping that clean too. Now, other odds and sods that you need to know that can be a bit of a help, um, always carry toilet paper on a hike. Um, some uh, hiking facilities will, or hiking trails, the rangers will come through and top up the toilet paper. So as an example, Larapenta Trail, the rangers will always go through and top that up so you can be reasonably guaranteed of finding toilet paper all the time. 
Bibbleman track as an example. Um, some areas of the 1,000-kilometre track provided toilet paper. Others didn't. So um, I did take toilet paper. I used um, the stuff that was there when I when I was available, um, but there were a lot of toilets. While the facilities were there, there was no paper. So you're best off assuming there is no no paper on the, on the hike you're going on and having, you know, for the sake of about 100, 100 grams of toilet paper to carry, uh, then not have that as an option. Yeah, and, and also, um, you know, be nice to the next bunch of people that come along as well. So, you know, if the toilet paper's running short and you've got plenty of supply, use yours um, and, and leave the others for, for somebody who might be caught short. Now, again, it might be oversharing here. I hate having to get out of the tent at night time, particularly if it's pouring with rain. Uh, I hate it when you do this, seriously. (laughs) And while it's not something I do all the time, peeing into a large Ziploc bag is a good option uh, and it's recycling. Uh, And this is not just a male option. It's something that that females can uh, and do use. You just need to aim a bit better uh, and make sure you're stable. What do you mean aim a bit better? (laughs) What do you know about that? Uh, again, I'm only only going on what I've been told by some some female hikers uh, who have had accidents. Um, but yeah, it's um, uh, you know having to pee into a bag is a a skill that is worthwhile learning, uh, but it may not be for you. Well, if you have a she we it probably is going to be much easier anyway. So it is, it is. Um, if you do the other option, you can also do, particularly for the guys, is to uh, uh, pee into a large plastic bottle. Um, but either way, whether if you're using a Ziploc bag or a bottle, store it outside the tent at nighttime. Um, the last thing you want to do is uh, is 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 knock it over in, inside your tent. I remember years ago, I got to go to um, the top of a crane, and the crane driver was up there. It was a pretty big uh, crane. It took us a bit of time to to climb up, and um, anyway, had this this bottle, and so, so somebody asked him why he had the apple juice outside of his cabin. (laughs) (laughs) There was kind of a stunned silence. It's like, because it's a long way down. (laughs) Now, the other thing, again, it's not so much a common thing here in Australia, but I do know some some of our our listeners do use this method, is what's called a pee rag. Uh, And rather than using toilet paper to clean up after you've been to the toilet, uh, they'll use a, something like a, a, a chucks uh, just to wipe themselves down and they'll hang this on the outside of their pack uh, to dry out. Uh, and uh, and if that's what you, you're doing, you do need to make sure you rinse it and dry it out on a fairly regular basis to keep it uh, clean and as, as hygienic as possible. But it does mean that you don't have to go through and bury toilet waste because as soon as you start using toilet paper, it requires you to dig a hole. Now, one other comment I would make, and again, this is based on something a friend told me uh, that she had experience with. She'd gone out to a hike in a fairly remote area. She'd just gone and, and had a pee just in the you know on the grassy area, well away from the tent. Uh, turned around and walked away to go back to the tent, and the kangaroos start, come over and start uh, eating the grass she's just peed on. <laughs> and apparently, animals do like the smell of uh, human urine, the the minerals and the salts that are in there. They don't think of it as being something disgusting. They think of it being something that they can uh, eat or drink uh, and just to actually boost up their minerals. So don't be surprised if uh, if you attract kangaroos in, in some areas because of that. Now, we're going to be talking about uh, hiking in periods. And while this is not 
necessarily connected to um, uh, peeing and pooping in the bush. Um, there might be a few things that you you want to consider. Um, in general, though, pretty much what you do usually is is what you should be doing when you're hiking. So whatever routine you have, um, there's no reason why you you can't stick to that same routine. Um, things to consider, though, sanitary items, they don't break down uh, readily, so you do need to pack them out um, when you've used them, so carry them out and dispose of them as you would normally. Um, that includes uh, tampons and sanitary napkins. Um, just wrap them in a small amount of toilet paper and put them in a resealable um, bag uh, so that they don't get... Um, connected with anything else that you're carrying. Never dispose of used sanitary items in the toilet. That doesn't just relate to toilets you find on the trail. That's a toilet anywhere. Um, And I I know uh, that's something that I'm sure lots of local councils are uh, telling females about all the time. For some reason, the message is hard to get through. So um, definitely don't put anything down the toilet. Um, that isn't toilet paper or that you haven't eaten. Now, sometimes you, when you're reading through um, hiking guidance, you'll find some guidance about um, burning used sanitary items on the trail. And there are probably a few things to think about here. Uh, one is you may be in area, you may be in an area where you can't light a fire, so you you can't burn something. Um, it's, it's a bit awkward to do that if you're hiking with a group. Um, and the other thing is even if you have uh, burnt the items, there's still refuse that you need to dispose of. So you can't leave it in the fireplace. So you do need to pick it out and uh, carry it out anyway. Um, I don't recommend that you burn your sanitary items when you're hiking. Um, just wrap them up put them in a plastic bag and carry them out as you would. That's the best option. Um, now, one thing you can use, and, and this is gaining um, much more um, interest and support, uh, and I was uh, not surprised, I guess, but um, curious to find that this had been around since the 1930s and probably well before, um, but a menstrual cup is something that you might want to consider. Um, and essentially it's a a small silicon cup that uh, fits into the vagina and uh, collects the flow. Um, So essentially you don't need to carry sanitary items. Um, It's uh, washable, reusable, and um, from what I hear, lasts for years. So that's a pretty good environmentally friendly and sustainable option. So, you know, that might be an option for, for you. That might be something that you want to explore a little bit further and they are readily available um, online. So you can check those out if you're interested in those. So just as a final thought, you know, we've we've all been going to the toilet since we were born. Um, some better than others. Uh, some better than others. <laughs> uh, and as kids, we often find this to be uh, this bodily function to be hilarious. Uh, but for many hikers, the first time, particularly adult hikers, the first time they've ever had to go to the toilet in the bush um, may be as an adult. Um, so learning to go to the toilet without modern facilities is a skill that they need to learn. 
Uh, and like any skill, there's a learning curve. So if you're planning on going on an extended hike uh, where you know that you have no facilities to use, uh, a bit of practice will help take a bit of the anxiety out of the process and make it one less thing you have to deal with on a, on a, a longer hike that you may not be used to. Yeah, I don't suggest that you practice in your backyard or <laughs> somewhere like that, but you know, I guess you could if you've got enough privacy. Okay, so we hope that's been a, a, a help for you uh, and provided a bit of valuable information. Uh, and I think, as you know, for people who've been hiking for years, they probably know all this already. But if you're new to hiking, this is where it's really going to help. In next week's episode, uh, episode 130, it's that time of the year again, and we're going to be talking about Christmas gifts for hikers. And this is looking at some of the new new, new and fancy gear that's come out over the last 12 months uh, that the hiker in your life, uh, who may happen to be you, uh, is looking at as a Christmas present. So um, look forward to that in the coming week. The other thing to let you know is November is our third birthday month. Woohoo! And um, as usual, we'll be running a series of competitions uh, and offering a series of discounts for people who are looking at purchasing gear. Um, so um, to get access to those, you'll need to be a newsletter subscriber, uh, which you can do so by going to our website www.australianhiker.com.au or going onto our Facebook page and signing up to receive our, our, our newsletter that way. Um, so good good opportunity uh, to free, win some free kit um, and there are some good stuff we have lined up um, with some of the suppliers and affiliates we work with. So look forward to that. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.